So on the JGF podcast this week, we have Bharatada, Bharat Hindocha. Hi, Bharatada, how are you? Oh, hi. Yes, Michelle, very well. Uh, I'm a bit nervous about uh, doing this with you, but uh, there you are. <laughs> the nerves are yeah. all mine. Um, so thank you for doing this. So again, the, the goal here is, um, I mean, of all the JGF members, I think you've probably got the most skeletons in your closet and have the most interesting <laughs> stories to tell. So this is going to be very, very exciting. We may not, we may not have all the time in this one podcast to do it justice. So we may have to have you back. Um, but no, like super excited to get into your stories. Mm. Um, why don't we begin at the beginning? Um, talk to us about growing up and childhood and what that was like for you. Okay. So, Way back, born in Miwani. Um, in fact, on my passport, it, it does say Kisumu, which is 17 miles away. Maybe because that was the only hospital uh, around at that time. So probably mom went there. So that was way back in 1950. Um, can't remember very much of the first years. Um, but the it really kicks in at about uh, when I was four, because up to that stage, uh, my hair was left to grow and grow and grow. And that was because uh, my dada, Bapuji's father, um, had uh, a particular manta that uh, Takrasi's first child uh, will have his hair done in India. So uh, then, um, so we went all there uh, by the ship and, you know, that was, um, you know, like seven days of sailing across to, from Mombasa to that. And uh, so this was, don't forget, this is 1954. So this is before Bakul and Viren. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, just before, in fact, uh, I think Viren, got born on the way back um, <laughs> because he was born in transit, wasn't he? Yeah. From um, Mombasa to over Nakuru. Um, I think there was an emergency stop and he was born there. So that was, so Viren was not on the trip, so to speak. But, um, so I remember that quite well uh, because that was quite an adventure. And at that stage, I think the transport was pretty slow and antiquated. So if you nowadays, if you want to go to Mathura or something, it's like one day you are there by coach or something. Or there it would be like a 10-day trip, you know. Mm -hmm. And But it was good because everybody was there, um, you know, the other end uh, from... Uh, Ramlik Mama and all that were there. So, yeah, that was good fun. And then I had my hair uh, chopped off and the priest whispered some words to me. He said, you must remember. And uh, and the words, the words that he said that you must repeat are Shri Krishna Sharam Mama. Okay. Shri Krishna Sharam Mama. So that's the chant that I had for many, many years. I don't know whether I would said that to many people that that's what was my secret word. I mean, it's not uh, a kind of um, amazing, but um, 
one thing that there is that, you know, you go through ups and downs and sometimes when you go through downs, you know, uh, something like that just comes to your mind and you repeat it and, and it helps, right? And so don't forget, I was only four. So it, it just stayed there. I said, what's these words that he's saying to me? Didn't understand it at all. Uh, but no, so that was good fun, fun trip. I uh, can't remember very much except obviously being with all the elders there. Mm. Um, and then came back to Kenya. So then I just remember um, all the way to when I was nine, ten. I was in the primary school there. And um, I suppose, you know, those days were different. We used to have um, teachers who used to go and teach us. Uh, teach us something like one, two, buckle my, buckle my shoe and three, four, lace them straight and things like that. But it was um, like learning ABCD um, yeah. where uh, we used to have a slate, a black slate, right? And you used to write on the slate and so it would be A in chalk and then you could keep on writing A and B and C and like that. So that's the way uh, things were taught in those days. But um, quite interesting, quite fun. We used to be all collected in a bus and, you know, because we were in a different part of Miwani and taken to the school and all that. So it was a bit of fun there. And, you know, there, there's lots of vivid memories there. Um, lots of games, lots of games. So that was the time when um, we played lots of games there. And the games were like, um, I think you're probably, um, your dad said banta, which is marbles. Right, yeah. Marbles. So it would be a circle and used to throw a marble and get it out, right? So the one that went outside the circle belonged to you and then everybody had their own marbles. So this got extended to Dankara which is uh, bottle caps. Okay. Bottle caps. So you have most, the cheapest was Coca-Cola because there were so many, yeah? But then you used to have different kind of beers. Right. I kept this cap, this cap. So then we had a trading, right? So if you had uh, a beer one, white cap, which is rare, that would be equivalent to two Coca-Cola one or something like that. So we used to have all these kind of martyring things. And the richest guy in ours was uh, the son of the shopkeeper. Uh, <laughs> and that was my cousin. Um, and uh, because his dad owned the local shop there, the only shop in town. So, so that was played very similar to the Banta game, where again, you throw in and then you take a stone and try to get it out, right, from distance. So that was that was a good game. Um, we used to play a lot of uh, gilly danda, yeah, uh, which is a small gilly, uh, little piece of wood, uh, uh, sort of uh, sharp on both the edges. And the whole idea was then you had a stick. Idea was to hit it down so it bounced up, and then you used to hit it out. And so that was amazing game. So we played a lot of that. One thing we played, which just came to my mind recently, was we used to have a big uh, gunda. Gunda? 
Yeah. There's a one Gunda tree, and the Gunda tree grew in a very particular way. It grew up and then lots of side branches everywhere. And so we used to play, uh, play, play Amba Piprio, which is that everybody used to go on top of the tree, and then uh, the guy underneath had to go and uh, touch him. Um, and then, uh, but underneath that, there would be a circle. And in the circle, there would be a stick. So one of the idea would be that uh, while somebody's distracting this guy, you jump down, uh, take the stick, get it under your leg, and throw it away. So the guy had to go and collect it. But if it touched you, then you're out, and it's your turn like that. So there was another game. So I think we just made up games. Um, um, who, who who exactly was playing at this point? Uh, all, all the, there would be about 15, 20 same age boys, only boys. Okay, girls, uh, girls somehow I didn't have to stay at all. Naturally, I, I don't know. Girls never passed, but there was a whole lot of us, yeah. all of us, and it was like you just turn up. Who's there? We decide what to play, or we just wander off in the jungle or in the farms or something like that. More formal game would be cricket, or um, so we'd play cricket very basic, just made up bats and balls and things like that. So uh, that would be it. But um, kite flying, kites, yeah. But um, so that all happened up to about nine odd years, right? <clears throat> then something happened in uh, Congo. Yeah. Um, where there was a massacre after massacres, you know, those horror stories coming up, right, where they were just being, especially Asians and foreigners were just being massacred. So Babaji said, okay, uh, Bob, you just go with the kids, go to India, and if something happens, I can always follow through, right? But I'll keep the job and all that. So Bob, uh, then, no, sorry, no, 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 no not Ba, sorry. Uh, in fact, it said the elder ones go. Um, at that time, Viren Bakul and Lata stayed back. And so Kundan was our leader, our uh, big band. And she was probably about 13, 14, Joshna, uh, me. And Viva was not supposed to go, but she cried enough. So that I think uh, then finally she got taken as well. So there's four of us. So I I remember the trip up there very well, very so that well. Was, you went on a boat, is that right? Yeah, it's a boat. It's a seven-day boat. I know the name of the boat is SS Amra, A-M-R-A, Amra. And I remember that because... Um, they used to shout out uh, at lunchtime. My favorite shout was uh, Hindu Visi Wale. Um, and there was the shout that basically Hindu Visi Wale come and eat. And it used to be mainly potatoes and onion. So basically, very basic. Um, I think we were all in third class. And so it was all bunker and all that. But um, very, very interesting. There was one girl with us who was Kundan for his age, about, I don't know, maybe 15 or thereabout. And um, she had been uh, engaged to be married to somebody she had never met. Wow. And yeah, 
So when we landed there, then they came as well. And so we were all excited to see who this boy was going to be. And <clears throat> so she had been talking about that, uh, what had happened. But that is the way thing happened. And they got married and all that. So she had been pre-married, I think. And she was just about to meet her husband. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Do you remember how you all felt? I mean, I can't imagine. I'm trying to imagine what it must be like when there's four of you the eldest is 14 and you're leaving Kenya. Presumably you didn't have that many vivid memories of India because you were only, you know, four at the time when you first went. Oh, the, the first time, no. But next time, obviously, yeah, lots of that. What were you, do you remember sort of what you were expecting in India or, or what that boat journey was like? I'm just trying to... No, I think, I don't know. I mean, at that stage, of life now kids are different they question everything we didn't we didn't we just uh, took everything you know as it came yeah, you know if, if parents say you gotta go you know you go you, you don't think you just go um expectations zero because because i didn't even know which school i was going to go to i didn't know anything about india I just went, right? But um, lucky because Kundan had to do all the thinking and where we are going to meet, who are, who are which relation, which form, organize the whole thing. Um, so I think the three of us were lucky hmm. that administration-wise we are so sheltered uh, from all that that we never knew anything except we enjoyed the boat trip when we reached there then we were greeted by relatives and so that was fantastic and the base camp was Porbandar because where Mama Mama etc were and they that was our base camp and um, obviously Gurukur yes. which is where Joshna and Viva and them went Kundan studied in Portland, the town itself. And uh, so I was shipped off to another town called Rajkot. And Rajkot is about 100 miles out. You've been to Rajkot? I'm not. No, Actually, no. No, that's, that's not true. Yes, we have, we have been very briefly to Rajkot. Yeah, very briefly. So Rajkot. So <clears throat> there's this place called Rajkumar College. It's a huge, huge, huge compound in the middle of uh, Rajkot and it was absolutely dedicated to the kings, the, uh, educating the princes. And uh, the year before I went there, they used to have horse riding, sword fighting, all the rest of it. So it was all the kingly stuff that happened. In my class, there were four princes. Oh, really? Yeah, four princes. Uh, no Captain Dutch, because obviously there was. And uh, the concept of these, now later on, now I know what there was, was to educate the princes um, in a very, like, uh, gentlemanly way, right? So we had servants there. In the evening, we would do dress up in white uh, suit kind of thing walk around the park, have a nice chat. So we were brought up like little gentlemen, right? But the education was very poor. Right. Right? Uh, in a way, deliberately so. 
because the British, they ruled India through about 500 kingdoms. Yeah. And their idea was to have all these pompous kings with no brains, which they could manipulate quite easily, right? And so this was the training school for them. Okay. So I, th because it was like getting up early in the morning and then you do a physical training, you go and do lots of things, you know, uh, um, and then you'd go and have a shower, then you go to have your, um, uh, then you go to school, then 10 o'clock you have your breakfast, and then in the evening you do sports a couple of hours, and so it was all really, really nice. It's lots of fun, right? Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed it, and I did quite well there. I was quite liked there, and I rose up in the ranks of the thing, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I was thoroughly enjoying the life there. <laughs> it sounds great. And it was one of the one thing it did do for me at that stage, and I discovered it later on in my life what it did for me. It made me uh, give, give me a sense of not being superior, but give me a sense that nobody was above me. Mm. Nobody was above me. So later on in life, when I was being bullied or uh, somebody was trying to pull a fast one or when I was in jobs, which are people are trying to pull ranks over me, I never felt the pressure. Mm. You had that inner confidence. Inner, inner confidence. I knew I was better than them. Hmm. I don't know how, but it, it's a, that's something that, that instant, that's probably the only. Then Babuji came along a couple of years, two years later, by the time Congo had settled down. Uh, but still, he was worried about things, so he, he came there. He figured out that education I was getting was bullshit. <laughs> And I was having lots of fun, and I didn't even realize I was, uh, my education was bullshit because you just study whatever's given to you, man. You know, you just, you just enjoy. So, that's it. so he decided to take me out of this beautiful school, and then he decided that he, um, because at that stage um, he had already made up because he was an accountant, mm. um, and he had already made up his mind that I was going to be a chartered accountant from England. And I was only 10. So he had made up his mind and he decided that no way am I going to become a chartered accountant from that lousy uh, school, uh, you know, education. So he took me uh, back to Kenya, but left everybody but everybody in India. So it was just me and Mapuchi going back in a ship back to Kenya. And uh, obviously at that time, um, but in those two, three years, or two years that I was there, we had lots of fun, lots of fun. In the holidays, we used to, in Rajkot, you know, again, we just go out and play in the streets and all that. So one of the biggest sport was flying a kite. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I remember was, See, don't forget, it's not flying a kite per se. It's flying a kite to fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a flying a kite to fight. So one of the things that needs to be done is all these strings need to be, uh, that need to be glass put on it. Mm. So you would grind the glass down, put glue on it, and then 
you know, all us little boys, you know, because there were seniors who used to make us too, had to go and make sure that the string was, you know, sort of, uh, that it had glass on it. So uh, that's the kind of thing we used to do. So it was fun, you know, it was mm -hmm. a group thing and all that. So there was lots of fun. In Porbandar, where is Kishore, and there are lots of other people my age there. So lots of fun, lots of fun. Um, we used to play cricket mainly. But uh, one of the things I think others may have told you was that um, the, uh, the mill there was, um, you know, um, peanuts, uh, you know, the whole peanuts with the shell and all that. And the farmers used to bring them by the, um, you know, garda load. Yeah. Garda would come and put it. So there would be a mountain of it, literally, which would be about, I don't know, 30, 40 feet. So one of the things was playing up and down there and hide and seek and all that. So that was, it's good fun. Yeah. I remember uh, just running in the street and uh, at that time, nobody said don't. So we used to get sugarcane juice from the rectory. We used to eat everything from the rectory everything but everything uh, flies this that who cares there's, there's nothing there's nothing nothing yeah you just ate everything there and i don't remember getting ill i don't remember getting ill um one thing i do remember is love uh, viva falling down stairs and i don't know whether you know viva had a scar on her head yeah and uh, i was there and then she just stumbled down and hit a stone you know one of these uh, um i don't know anyway there's a stone there and so yeah that's one thing i remember i don't you know obviously kundan and everybody was there so we had good fun but um at that stage viran and bakul and lata were not there Right. So what happened was we literally met for literally a few days. These are your brothers and sisters. Yeah. And then I got shipped away and yeah. they stayed on. Yeah. Right? So it was funny that we, um, obviously when I was in Miwani, they were too young yeah. uh, to, for me to get to know them. Or, and then they were in India while I was alone. On the way back again on the ship, uh, one of the things that I remember is we docked at Karachi. At that time, there was no tension between India and Pakistan. And we went to the zoo there, me and Bapuji, in Karachi, which was amazing. And then, obviously, um, in Kenya. Kenya, uh, obviously, I went back and I was put back in the same class I would have been had I carried on. And that was like that, that a lot of education in the meantime, real education. <laughs> so I had to do a lot of, um, uh, what do you call, uh, training there. I had a cycle there. So I used to cycle everywhere. So I used to cycle to there. And uh, you know Mira Manek? Mira? Mira? So Mira uh, was being uh, given private lessons. So me and Mira would sit and uh, the teacher and then the way would come and teach us uh, whatever so 
yeah, so that was fun, fun time. Mm. Fun time in Miwani. Uh, that was just me and Bapuji basically. And we stayed in a house with um, three other youngsters, right? Um, and they were all 20s, something like that. And they'd all been, uh, they were called Bapuji's Nachokrao. Kanke, they were brought by Bapuji to do accounts work. Yeah, okay. so they were accountant. My Bapuji was chief accountant, and there were the other accountants. So there were three of them. So the five of us shared a house in Milani, and we had an African cook for us. And the African's one unique thing was he was he had only one arm. <laughs> so the other arm was up to there and used to make and and then there's uh, lots of people coming over uh, other men uh, would just come over and train us for dining right so that was great fun because um, uh, Ramesh Mama was never part of this but he used to come in uh, you know Rugani he used to come there and there's Wajubai was in Toronto and there was Genty Bai and there was somebody else. And so we had a good time. We had a good time. What I find incredible is, you mean, touched on it a little while back, is um, just given, obviously, we, my cousins and I, we've, we've grown up here and sort of lived in this bubble where the siblings in particular are so close and, you know, the families are so close and everyone's so close knit. And I think it's really interesting hearing the stories of how different your journeys were for such a long period of time. Like basically yeah. almost all the formative, you know, what people think of now as the formative years, all of you were charting a completely different path to each other. So it's yeah. kind of incredible how you, how you kind of come back. Um, the other thing I guess I observe and just wonder if you think about it is, um, seems like, you know, whether it was in India or when you were back in Kenya with Bapuji, you were kind of always surrounded by um, sort of older, either siblings or, um, well, not quite siblings, because that was only for Kundanfei, but older older people, older men. Mm. That helped like mature you, or do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, you absolutely, because you, <laughs> I suppose you just matured because you are, yeah. During the daytime, uh, one of the thing is, one of the thing about Bapuji, because you speak about Bapuji, and there, there was a time it was just me and Bapuji, he never micromanaged me, mm. right? It was never, I suppose, it, it's it's different the way Bawutel looked after me to Bapuji. Bapuji was saying, yeah, fine. School of Javanuj, you go. And you got to do this, you got to do this, yeah? So, um, only time I remember Bapuji was angry at me was I used to come from the school right up to the, his office, collect keys, and then I would ride home and, you know, I'd be there. I lost the keys. And <laughs> that's the only time I remember ever him getting angry. And then he got angry, but then he was so apologetic afterwards. When he cooled down, he's so apologetic. He said, I should never do it because he felt very guilty that obviously he had promised Bar whatever. <laughs> and, and 
there, you know. So he was feeling very good. No, but he was just there. He was just there. He, but I grew up with a lot of uh, uh, other people. So yeah, no, it was good fun. Good fun. Amazing. Um, so then, so that was Miwani education, and this is it. Then before I knew it, I got. I, I had to go to Kisumu, mm. right? Kisumu boarding for four years, right? So in the meantime, Markham comes back with the three kids, right? Viren, Bakul, and Lata. So again, we, we don't spend time together because I was in boarding. Yeah. And the only time we spent time together was when I used to come back for holidays. So when I used to come back from holidays, it was incredible. Yeah. Because um, it's like suddenly, you know, you've got brothers and sisters. We haven't actually met at all. And so I uh, initially, I, I remember, I think Latta and them probably remember as well. I used, one of the things in India that we used to do at dinner time was tell stories. And I used to read any blight and Secret Seven, Famous Five, Tarzan. One of the things in Miwani we used to see was lots of movies. Uh, all these Tarzan movies and all that in black and white and all that. So a lot of all that things stuck in my mind. And I would just tell stories um, to all these three very attentive <laughs> siblings. And every other day I'll tell them stories for a couple of hours and I'll just make them up. And as I went, and it was fun. So um, no, that was good. That was good fun. That was good fun with them. But um, then I got shipped off to boarding to do my, and then I was in Kissing Boys High School, stayed at the Lohana boarding. And the Lohana boarding was, very regimented, more like a you know prison kind of thing, and I studied. And at the moment, uh, we all qualified at all levels in 1966. Right. So at the moment, I've got a group um, called Class of '66. Oh, cool. And and we are about 25 of us, uh, or maybe more, uh, in that group and. That's one of the groups that I find the most interactive. Interactive. Where I post something and there's nobody saying, oh, why did you do that? This is wrong. This is this, whatever. You should not post it on this. Everybody would put their point of view. If I uh, put something that was um, not there, uh, right, then they would correct me or argue. And at the moment, we've got a big argument going where I'm leading the argument. I'm saying India's history needs to be rewritten completely. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a subject. And I'm trying to convince the others why it should be done and things like that. So, but, but the thing is, that's my class of 66. And so, but even those years, my fondest memories were just coming back to Miwani mm. and, and just having time, good time. Um, you Baba, a special home that you all had, the way that you talk about um, Miwani in particular is, um, you know, really, really nice to hear. 
yeah it, it's 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 so much fun so much fun um we uh we had the mountain in the back by the time we had moved and we had the mountain in the back and we used to go to the river and um, we saw a huge garden at the back and i one of the things i, I just love the gardening bit and i started a navigation uh, uh, stream system there where there was a local river kind of flowing through close by so i diverted the water into our garden into bitter alleys and all that and i think all of us used to have fun just doing that uh, so it's good good Miwani was good one of the biggest fun i had in Miwani was my cousin manoj um he's the uh, guy um uh, his father owned the Miwani sugar factory so he had uh, the biggest cars they used to have about five six marks at that time and all that uh two things that we remember i remember one you see a, a car called mini mock which is an open jeep open jeep on both sides so we just used to used to come over and we used to jump in it and ride around miwani the sugar farms and all that we just used to go go there and one of our favorite thing we used to do is we used to um love to get stuck in the mud and and then we used to get it out by hand and it's fun it's all used to come back all dirty so that was one good thing second thing that we enjoyed that because it was we could afford all that and all that so we used to go to nairobi mm. and um you know we'd be taken by car there would be an elder with us who would come to look after us but um you know i remember about three four times we did that we would go and see a film from three to six uh six to nine and nine to twelve so we see three movies in a day uh, it's just crazy i mean we, we had no other what a life uh, what a life what a life i, did, I tell you what um uh, but uh, no i think it, it's great fun miwani so many um obviously viran bakul um at that time joshna and uh, uh kundarman were there mm. <laughs> and and so it was kind of weird the whole way the uh, all of us um, uh, we we spent more time later on in life than earlier in life yeah, yeah. and that's that's the funny thing about it so it's really that, special that you all came together um so uh, are we nearly at the point then that yeah. moving to, to london to fulfill papaji's life ambition of 10 yeah absolutely absolutely so after i qualified uh sorry i after i did my uh, o level at that stage from o level you could do straight five years article ship into becoming chartered accountant so babuji just said to me listen you're going to england right uh you could come me yeah these two guys are also my rich cousin manoj came with me and my best friend at the moment ashwin ruparel mm-hmm. so all three of us flew to england in on 5th may 1967 and ashwin's elder brother came to pick us up and one thing i remember was uh, it was snowing at that stage so that was a memory i said wow this is england and uh, but babuji had just told me at that stage 
uh, you give me a couple of contacts, I think about three, um, and said, you go to England, you become a chartered accountant. Finish. There's no other people here to guide you or anything like that. You know, so it was just, and I went over to Leicester. And because we had a lot of Mewani people go to Leicester. So I went to there and they said, no, 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 come to, come to Leicester. It would be great fun. This, that, whatever. And um, so no, then, uh, no, good thing I decided forget that. Uh, forget that. Don't want to stay in Leicester. Uh, so stayed on in London. And then I literally, um, I had to find a job. And at that time, this is pre-typewriter days. Forget any other form of um, typing. So you used to, I had to write letters by hand. And you to, used to write applications by hand. So I remember writing about 70, 80 letters to forms of accountants uh, to, to get a job. And uh, so every day it would be five, six letters, five, six letters. And uh, so... The only place was the local library. And at that stage, I stayed in Crouch End. You know Crouch End? Yeah. Crouch End. So we stayed in Crouch End. So either you go to Finsbury Park, Archway, or walk down to Highgate. So Crouch End was fun. Really enjoyed it. And um, so my memory about Crouch End, I stayed with my uh, Ashwin's brother, because by that time, Ashwin and Manoj, who came with me, uh, they were the richer ones. So they moved off to Bayswater, right. right? Which was still a very, very good place for youngsters to be. And they said, yeah, you come in. And I looked at the money that I had and all coming in. And I said, nah, forget it. You guys go. And their lifestyle was different. They, even then, they would be eating out, you know, and things like that. So I, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. So I said, okay, thank you. We'll, we'll stay in touch. And we were in touch throughout. But um, I carried on staying in Crouch and with Ashwin's brother. He taught me how to cook, right? But um, one of the things Bob did before I came to uh, London was to set me down for about, um, one meal, right? And taught me how to do rotli and sat nebadu. So, you know, this is why I don't see what's a big thing. I learned it in one go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite simple, you know. <laughs> you, know wagaka, you know, the whole secret is once you do the wagar, then you can do anything. Yeah. Then, then, obviously, I had lots of practice with Mayur, whom I was staying with. Um, he was an incredible guy, Mayur Rupparal. He was uh, almost like a Casanova. And he was, oh my God, he was dating girls, uh, all the foreign girls. He used to disappear off to Norway all the time and finally got married to a Yugoslavian girl. And oh my God, and he used to be the best dancer around. Lots of parties at that time. Did he do his tricks? Sorry? Did he teach you any of his tricks? I, I think the only thing I, I learned was I am comfortable talking to girls. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, if I'm 
um, later years. I'm the first one to start the conversation and, you know, break in. And I'm, I'm never all, you know, sort of all ruled by uh, girls as such. I, I can just, you know, just go into conversations, you know, small talk straight away. So I think uh, a lot of men, even now, they would find it very difficult to get into the, once they're in the conversation, they're okay. Yeah. But uh, to just generally break the ice, yeah, it's break the ice and all that. So I think I was okay from that point of view. So yeah, lots of fun then. Uh, so I joined a company called GE Holton Company. At the moment, there is a company called Liverpool Victoria. Oh yeah. Yeah. It oh. used to be Liverpool Victoria Friendly Society. Oh. And we used to be in their building in High Hogan. And that was our single biggest client, and we were in their building. So, uh, so we used to look after them, so that was good. Then, uh, profession-wise, I um, went, then I decided at one stage that I needed to move on, so I went to another firm, qualified with them, another small firm, Arthur Bess and Co. And then, after qualifying, I went to Binder Hamlin, which is BDO now, okay. BDO. So I stayed there and became a supervisor there, and you know, then so just progressing just on that front. Then I decided uh, that I wanted to do my own practice. So being with BDO, the kind of experience you have is that of a big audit firm. Mm -hmm. So I said. I need to, and I heard a lot about Jewish firms and how good they were, right? So I found a good Jewish firm in Great Portland Street and worked there for a couple of years um, after doing the video. So they taught me how to run the soft skill of the client, how to prepare accounts from a bag of invoices <laughs> and bank statements. And so it was a very systematic way and the one thing I learned there was how to do it in a cost-effective way right because everything was timed and things like that so I learned and then I was able to by the time I had um, don't forget Uganda had happened in 72 so people were coming up here setting up their businesses and they knew me and so they wanted me to be their accountant but at that time earlier, I didn't think anything about driving up to Leicester, Coventry, Nottingham, anywhere. Anywhere there was a client, I would just drive up there and just get it. Just yeah. yeah, because that's the way I built out. So that was way back in 1976-ish, I started. So fast forward all the year now. Before you, uh, before you fast forward, just you were talking about working for that firm and them teaching you some of the soft skills about how mm. to interact with clients. Anything that you can share um, about, you know, things that you learned there that you put into practice that have held you in such good stead? Um, I think it was more, more about the discipline of doing things in a timely fashion and doing it in a very systematic way, keeping papers very organized. You know, it wasn't like 
Um, every file had to be the same, uh, indexed. It had to, the job had to be approached in a certain way. Uh, every bit of it had to be timed. And so you said you're organizing paperwork this much, doing extended, uh, doing bank reconciliation so much, extended TV, you know, so it was something, it was a built up thing. And um, it was just learning how to do the very basic thing, reconciling the bank because, um, yeah, it's, it's all those things. Uh, by the way, when I started uh, way back in 67, um, we didn't have calculators. Mm. Right? So, and we had all these, uh, I remember um, Liverpool, Victoria, we used to have all these clerks sitting on a very high bench table with ink well there, with an ink pen, big ledges, and they would write beautifully. And I remember being told off once because I had to go with my red pen and or green pen. Uh, one year was green pen, one was red pen. But so I used to go there and I had to take the books, you know, that I'd done the job. So and I just take a book, right? Because I found that to be correct. And the guy called me over. He said, you know, look at my book. So beautifully written. <laughs> look at your marks there. Look what you've done to my book. <laughs> so <laughs> you wrote my book. <laughs> so that taught me the art of doing it neatly, you know, so they don't piss people off. <laughs> but I tell you what, it was... Hmm? These are all great and valuable lessons. <laughs> but I think Binder Hamlin was very systematic, uh, auditing, and that's a big firm experience. But uh, because I went through all that, don't forget, from 67 all the way to now, I hardly remember taking any days of sick. Yeah. Uh, or anything, because, uh, you know, we have enjoyed it throughout, mm. right? I've never not looked forward to going to work, basically, ever. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's always been, um, I don't know, I just found it fun, you know, just to go out. Do you think, do you think that would have been true if you'd picked a different profession? Or do you think that you found your calling? Well, no, i tell you what, no, I didn't. Kind of preordained, yeah. you know, a bit like that girl on the boat way back when. Yeah, i tell you what, I suddenly, once I qualified and I'd set up my practice, suddenly it hit me that I was doing, I was in the wrong place, right? And uh, I used to even say to myself that being a chartered accountant is a handicap. Oh, really? Because, yeah, because it stops you doing other things. Because you are supposed to just be doing an accountancy. And, you know, you're qualified. You worked all your life for it. So you do accountancy and all that. So um, one of the things I did about 76 was export import. So, um, okay, I'll just talk about that side of it now. So I set up a company called Clipper Import and Export Limited. And initially I started shipping goods to Papuji, Kenya. 
So I started doing that and I found people in Kisumu wanted things and you know, all that sort of so that was all working fine. And then I went into something completely different. I don't know how. I came across some clocks made in America. Right. Yeah. So I don't know whether you've seen any, uh, but there are quite a few still around. And at that time, for one pound, you could buy $2.40. Right. Okay. So America, it was easier to import from America because I was, I was frustrated. I wanted to do something more exciting in my life. You know, never, I found accountants a bit boring. Once you had overcome and you've done it, you know, it's, it became boring. And uh, so I imported that, had lots of trade fairs here, sold it. In fact, you know, the first house we had in Kingsbury, right? Uh, one room was full of clocks because that was my sales room and all that. So, um, um, yeah, no, that, that was good fun. But then I got um, sucked into something that would be my biggest regret. And uh, I think where maybe I was too trusting. And that's what Bar told me and other people sort of said, you know, borrow check or whatever. And I fell for a Sindhi guy who gave me 30,000 30, pounds at that time to go into trade, right? And he said, all you do is you're a confirming house based in London. And all you do is we are shipping the goods from Singapore, Hong Kong, or wherever. And all you're doing is confirming it here. And not only you're getting your commission here, you're keeping... 10% for me here as well, right? So it gave me 30,000 pounds. And at that stage, I went to Bank of Baroda and they looked at it. Oh, ECGD guaranteed is putting in 30,000 pounds. He's a chartered accountant, is doing a confirming house. Suddenly they gave me a facility of 200,000. Right. And that was like amazing. At that time, you could buy a house for 20, 30,000 pounds. Yeah. And they gave me 200,000 pounds, which would be like equivalent to about giving you two million pound facility now. So I kept on uh, doing this and it was quite good, right? And then at that stage, I moved my office to Norwegian Street near BBC House. Yeah. So I was there for two years, right? So Price Manico was there for two years. And so I had my accountancy practice, but main thing was this export import. And so then the bills stopped coming back, you know, the money started to stop. So I flew to Nigeria um, and then it was soon becoming apparent that they were lying to me. I used to stay at this people's house in Lagos. They would tell me stories that my stock was not selling and things like that. And then one one day what I did was, because I'd come to know the office quite well, their people quite well, uh, the African boys, they used, this guy, Cindy's used to turn up at about 10. So I went, I flew in there, I didn't stay at that people's house. I stayed in a local, local hotel and I went in there very early in the morning, right? And uh, this guy said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I walked into their office. I said, I'll just relax here. And the boys were happy, so I went there. So I took all the stock card, you know, stock card. 
So I put it in a bag and I said, I'll see you in a minute. And then I went back, photocopied all of them, came back and returned it back. Then I went back and then I studied all the bin cards and all the stock I'd sent. And suddenly I discovered that they had sold my stock and all that. So I confronted them and they were horrified. They said, how could you come and do this on us, you know? And I said, hold on, compared to what you are doing to me, <laughs> what I've done to you in finding out the information is nothing. But um, then uh, I, I came back to England because they were not corporate. So I said, okay, I went to a top firm here and I said, you know, um, uh, can you freeze their assets here? So they said, yeah, we can. But they will manage to unfreeze them after a little while. So they said, sorry, can't help here very much, but this is the name of the guy in Nigeria who used to work for us. And we think he's quite up there. So he was in one of the ministries quite up there. So in fact, I was staying at this in this house when I went back to Nigeria again. So he took me on a scooter there to this minister's house, uh, office. I went in there and the guy said, listen, you've got a good case, right? Because I took all the papers with me. But in Nigeria, all the files will be lost in the lower courts. They'll just bribe them. So, you know, you, you, you know. So, so I was so depressed. But as I walked out the building, something happened. And I don't remember why I said what I said, but that changed everything. I went to the guy and I said that, you know the guy I met, just met? is one of the ministers. He's going to get you deported within 48 hours if you don't pay my bills and my money. <laughs> I don't know how that came, Michelle. It just came. I just said that. I just said that. I, I just, you know, it's like, you know, somebody looking after you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Because I wasn't, I hadn't thought about it. I was and, and they panicked because they were screwing me for 200,000. They were screwing the Hong Kong, the Singaporean for millions. I was a small fry. I was an irritant. Mm. I used to go around the market and tell all the Sindhis that these buggers are robbing me. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't like the name getting spoiled. So they said, okay, we will help you out. Okay. So um, one of the things we did with the help of your dad, Buren, and Bakul here, uh, was um, to, at that stage, uh, if you had the bills of lading in, in Nigeria and you send them to England, right, then it was pound to pound. Mm -hmm. So every pound becomes a pound. But on the black, if you send a pound from here to uh, Nigeria, for one pound you get two Nairas. Right. Okay, so you get double, right? So Viren and them raised, now this is, they raised from their own pockets, anybody, anybody with money. I gave all my clients phone number, etc. everybody. So they raised 75,000 pounds, almost. So then on the phone here, they gave the money. And uh, on the phone there, they gave me 150,000 Naira. Right. So 150,000 Naira, by the time it came to here, with the documents they'd given me, become 150,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was one of my savior, right? So everybody said that made me. So that was one. Then um, I got three containers. They gave me three containers. So I spent about three months in Nigeria 
um, selling those goods. Okay. Well, I, I sold those. So I had an office there. Forget about the accountancy practice. I was selling there. And at that stage, Bakul, uh, because they were thinking, what the hell is he doing there? So Bakul got flown over there. So Bakul came and, um, <laughs> you know, was with me for a couple of weeks. But um, he was there more of moral support. But I went all over Nigeria. I went to uh, North Ibos. Ibos were the best. So I, and my main product was what? Afrocoms. Right. The Afrocoms. So I used to go to market all the um, uh, traders, also traders. I used to go and give it to them. So I'll just tell you this very briefly. Uh, so one of the instances I had was um, this Ibo boys used to come to me, and I used to have an office with the boy, and they said, you know, we want this container, what you, and they would bid me down, you know, and then they would go away. Then another two Ibo's guys would come, and they would bid me down a bit more. So I said, suddenly it struck me that this is the playing yeah. game. So next time the third lot came, um, I said, sorry, it's gone. I gave a name of uh, Indian. I said, that guy just came and bought it, but he's bringing the money at five. So no, 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 we want it. I said, listen, he's paid me the full price. We'll pay you a bit more. <laughs> they had knocked me down to 80% and they suddenly paid me almost like 101 or something. But I said, you've got to come now, four o'clock. So anyway, so they came with money. And, and 20,000 pounds is that much, you know, that much. So me and the boy, we counted the money and all that. And then another funny thing that happened was that my boy who used to work for me was about six foot, right? And how do you carry this money? And he carried it on his head. And here's a tall boy. So we went to the bank. And he was just walking, not running, but he was walking. And I thought he was running. So I was running after him. And I was running away from the money. But then we, we went to the bank. Then the bank, they wouldn't count the money. Um, and my boy said to me, then it bribing. You need to bribe him. You don't count the money. Count the money and put it into your bank account. Oh my God. So I tell you what, it's, it's a corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. So that matured me very quickly. Mm. Those three, four months. So that was amazing. amazing. How did but, you, sorry? How did you feel about, you know, the accountancy practice and everything? So you just kind of... No, I, I, I had a few clients. I used to look after them. So when I was to come there, I used to do their accounts. And then when I came back, I mean, don't forget, when I was in Nigeria, Zoya had been born. Oh, right. A photo of Zoya there. And obviously when I came back, my mom, Pinky, everybody just said, forget that. You're no longer going to do that. <laughs> and uh, so I, I managed to just come out just without losing anything. Uh, because a lot of things and um, but then obviously it's back to accountancy boring accountancy <laughs> so that was my adventure amazing and so you talk about this as we, we could get into parenthood but um, I think I've jumped a lot which is great I, I, I think I mean you've always had multiple you know fingers in lots of pies effectively yeah like so, I think you know you've always used accountancy. I I think you tell me as a launch pad. Yeah, I other things that are more interesting 
Yeah, I did. I did. I did. It was later on. I'll talk to talk to you about that later. But um, on personal life, um, what happened was uh, after I came here, my first five years were literally spent in the library, right? Because it, you, everybody, all my friends, don't forget, this was the hippies era and all that. My friends, Manu, Jashwin, they used to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, lots of other friends used to say that, listen, I'm working at a factory down the road. You're earning eight pounds a week. We are earning 20 pounds a week. Come on, be real. Forget that. And so there was a lot of pressure. But I think this thing about uh, my father saying you're being a chartered accountant, I tell you what, it, it, things like that hold you more than if my father was sitting there. Yeah. Yeah, because it's almost like a command. You've been uh, there. So, had fun, but most of the time it was, you know, sort of studying and all that. Um, stayed with lots of people. One of the things that happened was Kundanfoy, 1968. She turned up suddenly. I was going to share a house with uh, one of my friends. And we had booked the flat and everything. Suddenly there was a phone call from Kundan. Um, this problems with the passport thing and I want British passport so I'm coming over and she came over and uh, so she stayed with me in Muswell Hill for almost eight nine months wow. yeah so, so that was good and she worked in Harrods and I was working in Normandy and so that was another phase of life where suddenly I hardly known Kundan as Anna, in a way, because our life hardly crossed. And then suddenly we spent nine months there, so that was a good time. And then I obviously used to go back on holiday and be that they were there. So we used to have a great time in Kenya as I grew up. But then uh, later on, um, Wallop came and stayed with me. And then Joshna came. Yeah. So they used to have their house, and I used to be with my friends, and I used to go to Joshna, and she used to cook, and really, really great, really enjoyed that. And at that stage, uh, you know, I used to come from the library uh, at any given time, and Joshna would have something ready. Brilliant. She's an amazing person. So then we all ended up uh, having a house in uh, Finchley. Yeah. yeah? Uh, where... So that was me, uh, Wallop, Joshna, and then soon after, Viren came. So it's four of us. And so we had an amazing time there. We had an amazing time, four of us there. But like Joshna said to us recently, she used to be the main cook, you know, and she used to do everything. Uh, we used to share the expenses and all, all that, but that was by the by. But me and Wallop hardly did anything. I think Viren used to just, just about help out a little bit. But uh, uh, so Joshna was the main, uh, but we had, we had good fun. Then, then just um, Viren came and then once we were there, suddenly Kundan decided to come again because they were working. Maybe Rocky was going to be born. So she came and shared. And then there's a, there's a huge room. And so that would be me, uh, Viren, and Kundan there. And then obviously Rocky 
later on. And uh, so that was that was second time Kundan sort of came over and uh, it was amazing. In fact, Kundan came a third time and the third time she came was part of the refugees, uh, Ugandan refugees. And at that time she said to us, I know you, but pretend I don't know you, <laughs> kind of, because I want to go to America. Yeah. <laughs> and things like that. So, anyway, so that's that's uh, what happened. So. Did you find did you find it difficult adjusting to life in the UK? You know, so you went from um, Kisumu and uh, Kenya, you know, Rajkot, where you know it was like a princess, mm. like finishing school. You come back, and in the UK, right, like you have to be, you're forced into being, you know, really independent. You talk about snow for the first time. The climate's very different. You know, the housing situation is different. Your friends are off. Like, how do you think you? process that amount of change and in integration? I think I was lucky because I was surrounded by people straight away. I flew in with two friends, right? I stayed at my uh, uncle's house. So I was there and we used to cook together and all that. So there was that stability there, right? And then as I was just about to move into with a friend of mine, Kulan turns out. Mm. And and so she's there. Then I stayed with another friend, and then we stayed with another three friends. So all that, um, I don't know. It's more like an adventure. I don't think I ever. I think there's only a small time when I just stayed by myself. Uh, I no, I stayed two stages by myself. One, I stayed in Belsize Bar, full of. Um, students you know big house full of students and that was a weird experience i had to come out because they they were into drugs and all that right. um so I, I i thought you know i think i made the decision i better come out get out of here yeah, because otherwise i might just fall into that little thinking group thinking so yeah that was that so there was I don't know, there's discrimination, obviously, in UK, there's discrimination, um, you could feel it. One of the things I remember was going on, at that time, America were very heavily, heavily involved in Vietnam, and there was a big thing, and I was a bit left, and uh, so I joined the march to American Embassy, um, so that was one of the things that I remember quite well. Um, but yeah, uh, those were the days. Um, what else? Then in about 73, I think, I had qualified as chartered accountant. I qualified. So then I moved out of Wallop uh, Joshna and bought a house in Kingsbury. And obviously, Viren was with me then straight away but then Bakul came soon thereafter Vivalata came so that was one of the trigger I had to get a house right and it's crazy I, the house was 12,000 pound a three-bedroom house and uh, there we are so, um, no I think we never ever had central heating up to that point 
never never all the houses finished lead before 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 never ever central heating central heating had just come in and the house price was twelve thousand central heating for the house was one thousand pound and i didn't have one thousand pound so i asked my that rich cousin manoj to lend me one thousand pound which i repaid him back within a year but um so uh, we had central heating for the first time but we didn't have money to decorate the house so we all spent all days and night painting the house wallpapering the house you know we did everything ourselves we went and bought um, carpets and fitted it and we did everything ourselves and uh, i think it turned out to be a beautiful house mm. um but it, it was so much fun so much fun uh, so that's the first time again so i i hardly ever knew joshna and i ended up staying with her i hardly knew her and ended up staying with them here there and then vivalata came and then uh, obviously i had the responsibility in a way uh, de facto responsibility of getting them married basically so that was big thing what was your communication with Bayan Bapaji like at that time? Uh, by letters. By letters. But Bar came over. Bapaji for, I think he could not come over because of passport reasons. Right. Right. There were some issues there, so he could not come over because they thought, British thought, that if they let him in, he won't come back or whatever. So they, they do not. But Bar came, right? I think the first time I came was just before I got uh, married. Yeah, uh, she came after my engagement and marriage. So that was yeah. So there was a time. No, hold on. Babuji came. Babuji came once. No, Babuji came. So the first time Babuji came was very interesting. He uh, he said, "I'm going to go around all the relations." So I took him to all parts of England and we went to Bolton and Bolton we went to see uh, Kundan Fai's in-laws, yeah, persons. So we went there and they said, ah, there's another family here, Vibalata's friend. It turned out to be Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we had a chit-chat then and then I thought, well, this is the girl for yeah. me. Sorry? You feel, you feel like you knew straight away? Straight away, we, uh, yeah, sort of um, joking and, um, you know, she remembers me going up to her room and sort of saying, oh gosh, look at the wallpaper, it's amazing, isn't it? And she said, somebody likes my wallpaper, <laughs> crazy guy. <laughs> anyway, so um, we, so when I went back to London, we just kept on chatting to each other on the phone, nonstop. We used to chat to each other and we came to know each other quite well. And then uh, we had a Christmas party and uh, there was a big Christmas party. We had amazing, we had the house full, everything. And then uh, Pinky came uh, a couple of days before and I picked her up from Houston Station and then she she came and then um i think we were almost inseparable then you know um and i think 
the day after the party, Josh Nafai came to me and sort of said, listen, you two are too cozy, you know, and uh, uh, there are people out there who are from Bolton who are maybe talking about it, you know. So at that stage, then I just made up my mind there and then that I'll get married. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unlike this generation where people stay in together for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. very. Yeah, it's very spontaneous and improbable. Very spontaneous, I just did it. So there we are. So that was 74, 75, we got married in about March. So there we are. So that was that phase. I don't know, there's lots of gaps there. Yeah. <laughs> but carry on, carry on, carry no, on. No, no. So, so we, we, we jumped around a little bit, but um, and maybe we, we're kind of getting into the section where, you know, I'd, I'd love to pick your brain on, you know, how you reflect on, you know, various aspects of, of life and, you know, any messages for uh, the rest of the family. Um, but talk to us a little bit about parenthood and what it was like becoming a father for the first time. So you mentioned, you yeah. know, Zoya, Zoya was born uh, yeah. in Nigeria and having your Nigerian adventure. Yeah, so she was born just prior to that. And that was amazing. That was one of the best days, if you can think. Uh, uh, and uh, they're really, really excited about that. I, I carried a photo all the way in Nigeria and sort of that she's an inspiration there. And she she's a lovely curly head uh, little girl. And uh, uh, no, she used to talk a lot. She, we just taught a Gujarati in the first. So she used to talk brilliant Gujarati. I don't know what's happening now, but uh, I think she's lost it. <laughs> Hello, Harry. One of my thing to Harry and that would be to learn Gujarati. I think uh, you, you guys are doing the right thing, I think. So I think we need to get around and get Zoya uh, committed. And Jimmy, sorry? I said, do you need to get her committed to her mother tongue? Mother tongue. Um, in fact, Jimmy is more forward-looking than Zoya. Jimmy looks, um, Jimmy can see India is going to be a great power one day. Mm -hmm. And um, he is excited that Harry is an Indian kind of thing. Right? <laughs> and uh, by the way, I got my OCI, or Citizen of India. Yeah. Um, on the basis of Pinky, so that means uh, Zoya and Anika would get it, that means Harry and Sophie would get it, that means uh, Jimmy would get it as well. So he's, he's quite excited, so he, he wants Harry to learn, uh, uh, you know, he said Hindi, but I think we can only teach him Gujarati. <laughs> you don't know Hindi. So no, I think, but... How do you think fatherhood changed changed you if that makes yeah sense. It, it, it sort of yeah made me more grounded into mm -hmm. grounded but um one thing i wish one thing i wish i'd spend more time with them uh, you know when we're going further into regrets and things like that so i suppose that would be one of my biggest regrets in life and this is where i must take my hat off to all you young men all you young men who are fathers now, right? You, Jimmy, Bhavin, you name it, all of you are, even Amit, you know, who's, uh, you know, 
spending so much time with the, raising the kids and sharing the upbringing. And uh, in some ways, we have that luxury and privilege because I, th I think of it as the sacrifices that you all made at that point in time. I, I yeah. think I, I completely understand why you'd say that would be a regret, but I also wonder if it would have been realistic or practical for you to do what, what we have, the, again, the luxury and the absolute privilege to be able to do, which, yeah. is, which is to devote more time. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a shame when some people don't make it. Society is moved on as well, isn't it? I think it's more almost expected of you to do that, isn't it? it it's, it's more, but, but that is my only rewind back, I would do different. But other than that, happy with that. So obviously, Anika was a Lakshmi because she came in literally when we bought this house. So we credit her with all that. Um, and uh, no, 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 absolute delight, both of them, and sort of loved them growing up. And, you know, so uh, that's been brilliant. Um, um, one of the main times that I spent with them was holidays, because mm -hmm. we used to take, even those days, we used to take about three holidays a year. Yeah. So that was quality time with them. Yeah. And um, so that was good. That was good. Like, uh, awesome. um, Barak, if you, if I ask you to just think about as you reflect on your life, one thing that we haven't spoken about actually is sort of, I don't want to call it religion, but I want to call it spirituality. And then mm -hmm. the, again, your journey has been really interesting in terms of where you are today. But how do you reflect on on that and any kind of messages for? Um, the rest of I'll tell you the first um, kind of thing I came across which blew my mind away. I mean, was um, reading uh, Tibetan lamas, uh, Lopsam Rampa. So I used to read all his books. Uh, Third Eye, obviously, was one of my favorite and uh, liked it. And one of the things that struck me there was astral traveling, mm -hmm. which um, was uh, something that was an amazing concept to me. And so I was very much into that sort of thinking at that time. And then I was even thinking of experimenting with it until somebody told me, don't, because if you go out of your body, then the evil spirit can possess your body. <laughs> so that's, that frightened whatever out of me. And, um, but then obviously Hare Krishna. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, was very, very close. And uh, in fact, uh, what's his name? The one who just passed away. Um, gosh, I shouldn't remember his name. Um, uh, Is it, it's not Anand it's, uh, No, 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 it's not Anand It's Gosh, the name should come to me in a minute. Um, uh, so, Anyway, so Hare Krishna was that, right? But I was always interested. I was reading, reading, reading about Hinduism, this, that, whatever. It never kind of clicked to me. I never was into accumulation of knowledge and things like that. I, I think the real thing 
I did all that for the sake of doing it, but only recently I've gone into this because Sadhguru has suddenly come in and he's broken the barrier of being able to answer everything I ever wanted to ask and more. So in a very clear way that I understand. So I've done Kriya, inner engineering with him, which means um, it's a discipline that you do. Yeah. And, and so you do that every morning and, you know, you follow through the rituals and all that. So that is good. And then going to Coimbatore recently, uh, that uh, was uh, eye-opener. Mm. <coughs> but that, you know, so I'm, I'm at the moment in a <coughs> place where I want to um, get in touch with my reality. I flirted with Mahesh Yogi, I flirted with Deepak Chopra, I did a lot of other gurus, um, but um, I don't know, nobody sat very uh, much in my mind. Well, yeah, yeah. Hare Krishna is something I would still fall back as a bhakti yoga. Yeah. Yeah, um, I still like that, but the, you know, Hare Krishna has still got a very soft uh, thing for me. That makes sense. Um, one, I want to get to the sort of fun facts where I get to ask you lots of very quick fire questions. Before we do that, I just there's a section of each of these conversations which um, I want to dedicate to people who I would love to have sort of. What spoken to and, and recorded their story, but unfortunately, yeah. no longer with us. <clears throat> so, um, just any thoughts or, or, or memories or special stories or, or messages about um, why don't we start with Ba and Bapuji? Yeah, Ba obviously, um, <clears throat> one thing I remember about Ba was that uh, she was very strict, very disciplined person. Um, she was very strong-minded. She never fell for all these gurus who used to come along to Mewani and things like that. She never ever wanted to bow down to anybody. Very strong woman like that. She was very clear what she wanted in life. And she was one person who, like I said, was surrounded by very rich cousins. And they used to come back from England because they were all studying in England and all that with the finest clothes. And my mom literally would make the clothes. Yeah, she would make the clothes for all the girls. I mean, they would be from the same piece of clothes, so they would all look the same. But <laughs> but uh, she she had latest fashion and things like that. So she was very much. Like that, like I said, she taught me how to cook mm. there. But it was very, um, very single-minded. She's very, very good advice. Uh, she's always thought I was a bit of a softy. Then um, it I used to get uh, duped, if you like it, call it, and uh, borrow whatever. But uh, I used to take the Mickey out of her quite a lot and she used to always say, ah, to Aisa Drake, you know? And I used to, you know, uh, 
you know, somebody cop for a sidu, I mean, you know, serious real one, you know. That's right, man. You know, I used to just look at the lighter side of everything. And and sometimes she used to. But um yeah, no, I think uh, uh when I used to go to the house next door in four forty nine and I used to have lunch and because it's I'd walk at a early or whatever. And I said, Dem it switch on. Yeah, switch on. She used to say to everybody, let him sleep. She would not wake me up and things like that, you know. So even that, that's much later in the life, but that's about uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. So really, every which of the way she was a moral compass. Yeah. She? She was, uh, I know what you mean. She was, uh, my, um, you know, I experienced her a different phase of life, but the, she was very sharp. She was so, she was, she's always seemed like phenomenally intelligent in terms of being able to amass a lot, a lot of information. And she was very, very clear and precise. I know, I know what you mean. Very, she was very intuitive. Yeah. Intuitive. She would know her, she will immediately get at that. And um, I remember I, despite the fact that I lost money in uh, Nigeria, uh, this Cindy couple, because they, don't forget, I still stayed at their house there. Yeah, I was, uh, they, were, they were there. So they, they, were, they were the biggest hypocrites around because they would look after me, but at the same time, they would do this. So they came uh, to our house uh, once and Ba was there. And I really told them off. <laughs> and I was shocked, you know, because I said, you know. <laughs> and that was the last I saw them. But <laughs> really gave them good, you know, uh, garbage, you know. And I'm not saying, or that angry. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was amazing. Now, Bob was a very, very special person. Very special person. What about Bapuji? Mapuji, like I said, um, he wanted, he, he just knew what he wanted out of me, right? Uh, I think Viren Bakul and all they had a free, you know, kind of, uh, everybody else had a free card, but I had to be uh, what he wanted to be, a uh, chartered accountant. So, yeah. funny, brother, because they say the opposite. They said that you had a luxury life in Rajkot while they were stuck in Kenya. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That's right. No, no, I had good life. Oh, Rajkumar Golub was good. But it was, don't forget, if he had found out, then he would have stopped it. <laughs> as soon as he found out, he said, oh my God, this guy is having too much fun. No, no education. So bring him back, you know. So, no, he knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted. He was not for micromanaging. He would never like, think, you know, like, like nowadays, you know exactly what CI is doing and not doing in school. They would not know that. Mm. They would not know that. They would not, uh, they know that after this stage is high school and after high school is London. But between them, you just go and right now. So, um, but like I said, we, the fun time we had was when we were together, when I was 11, 12, you know, and that time, you know, the one incident I gave you was when he was angry, but 
that was just, but we used to have lots of fun. We used to play cards together, all of us. And, uh, uh, you know, no, there's a lot of things. One thing, you know, I'm drinking Guinness. Thanks to Babuji. <laughs> Thanks to Babuji. Um, they, we used to have a club in Miwani and they all, at that stage, somebody had implanted in their head, Guinness has got iron in it, it's very good for you. So all the, everybody drank Guinness. So me and my cousin said, what the hell is Guinness? So we sneaked in uh, under the bar one day and we took out the Guinness and tested it. And it was the most uh, horrible drink you could ever think of. <laughs> bitter, have you ever tried it? It's one of the most bitter drink ever. And uh, so, but later on, when I came to England, I went for Guinness. <laughs> you acquired the taste over time. I acquired the taste, thanks to Babuji. You know. But uh, no, Babuji was good. He was in the Lions Club there uh, in Miwani. So I, I saw him as a Lions person. So obviously when the Lions Club started here, uh, I became the first treasurer of the Lions Club and I got, um, Raju, even Vijay, uh, Sojani was part of our Lions Club and I brought in lots of people into Lionism and became president later, in fact set up a Lions Club of Kingsbury. So I, uh, I was the uh, person who did that, set that up. So I did a lot of Lionism, I suppose thanks to Babuji because there was a lead. Um, I remember Babuji taking me out to see um, you know uh, uh, you know one of the tribal chief and we went with Bapuji and uh, he would take us he had three wives so we had to go to all their house, jumbos right and there's a big complex and we used to do that so that, that was that was fun that was in Kenya in India I remember one thing um, we went to a small village and uh, there was Ranavo or something, Kutiana or something, one of our relations thing. And they saw tea and Babuji said, Who China the Peter from Bharat Pise? And I don't know whether you tasted Indian tea. It's the sweetest thing you can ever come across. I think they put half sugar and half whatever. <laughs> So, uh, because he couldn't just say no, he said, you know, okay, we'll accept it, but he's the guinea pig. <laughs> so, no, Babuji had lots of fun, his lots of direction. He used to make sure that he came and every Sunday he would be in, in uh, the boarding, right? And he used to take me to Hippo Point with the rest of it, so he made sure that that was done. Something else I don't know whether you know about Babuji is that he was a salaried person, but how did he manage to um, raise money to uh, teach seven of us studying? What he did was something very, he used to be an insurance salesperson. So one of the things he did was 10 years before when we were, he knew that we'll all be 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever. So he started taking endowment policy. Small premium, 10 years. Endowment policy would mature in the 10th year. Right. Every year he would do a new one, new one, new one, new one. This is way back when nobody ever thought about it. So by the time, all of, don't forget, all of us 
did higher education, including all the girls, right? Which was unheard of. Yeah. And he did it on his own. He was very good thinking in many, many ways. He was, he was so far ahead of anybody else. He was far ahead in edu educating girls. Yeah. So far ahead in this thinking is, is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, he, he, he had an elder brother who died in the Spanish flu. I don't know whether you knew that. He was 12 years older than him. I think that was a big shock. Um, then, during the time of uh, independence, um, my father, very hot-blooded, so he joined the movement there, and he was getting more and more involved in that. And so his father uh, got hold of Laljibai, who was one of the other Ritchie brothers, and so sort of said, you take him to Kenya. Get him out of here. Really? Get him out of here. And that, that's, that's how we went to Kenya. And uh, so he was, uh, no, like I said, he was, um, uh, we had lots of fun. Yeah. fun uh, you mentioned very you quickly kind of referenced Vijay for one line and some, any, anything to share or say? Uh, Vijay, Vijay. Oh, Vijay for one of the things that Vijay and me were very close. Um, I can hear, um, Vijay used to love to talk, right? And he would talk to me about all the financial, very complex financial things he used to get into. And I used to listen to him, right? So he used to love to talk to me. So we, we spent, I think, so many holidays together. We used to go to Centre Park, we went to Nottingham, we went to Belgium, we went everywhere, you know, we used to go. Um, and one of the funniest things I'll tell you now just for this was we were in, um, I think, Amsterdam, uh, one of the Centre Park there. And they used to have, in the swimming pool area, they used to have a nudist area. Used to have a little bit of nudist area. So, me and Bridget said, we'll venture into that. So, we went there, and, you know, clad in our swimming costume. So, the girls said, yeah, you can go, you know, the girls were not bothered, you know. So, we went there and we were enjoying sitting there and seeing all these nude girls and all that. Then, one of the managerists came across. She said, you've got two options. Basically, either you get out, or secondly, you take your uh, swim costumes off. <laughs> so we looked at each other very shyly. We took our pants off. <laughs> because we can figure out the thought of getting out there. <laughs> we were enjoying it. So we said, oh, hell with it, you know. So <laughs> that, was, that was my Vijay fun moment, you know. So... <laughs> But um, no, Vijay was amazing. He was a great guy. I, I learned a lot to, with him. Is you know he, you know I, I'm still struggling how to price client, how to price client. So I introduced him to my company, which used to import car alarms from Italy, and I used to be the managing uh, finance director and the shareholder there and all the rest of it. 
And we used to do quite a lot. We used to do a million pound import of car alarms into UK a year and we used to make good money and all that. So Vijay, I introduced him to my uh, partners and the, he's got such a charm. Mm. Uh, the way he used to talk to them was he would never come to the price at all. He would just brag about how well people thought about him. It was amazing how much money he said for everybody. And, you know, they pay him all the odds and things like that and yeah, things like that. And then, uh, you know, I thought he would be charging about £1,000. He got away with charging £5,000. Wow. And my fellow directors said, isn't he amazing? Isn't he great? And I said, that's Vijay. I know him. He's, he's all right. <laughs> he's not. He's okay for £1,000, but not for 5000 But he, he had this ability yeah. of absolutely sweet-talking and getting the right price and all that. And, and so, you know, such a lot to learn from him. And uh, Vivafe? Oh, my God. Uh, like I said, we were in India together. Uh, at that, even at that stage, she used to be called Patel, Patel Sahib. Uh, you come across the word because she, everybody every, she should be a lawyer. Even then, she was so young. Uh, she would be about nine, ten, but she would be argumentative. Later on in life, when I used to come back from holidays and all that, we used to argue for ages, right? For the sake of it, we just used to argue, 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 argue and, and she used to be very good. So we, we, we enjoyed that. And then, obviously, we spent so many holidays together, including recently after... Vijay went, so we went to one of my best holidays in time would be to going to Switzerland and where Annika came as well. Mm -hmm. And we went to the top of the mountain and it was amazing. Uh, it was just a beautiful trip. Um, another trip was with, I think, Joshna and Wallop to France. Then another one was to Scotland where we went by train and uh, this is Viva. We, we booked Virgin first class from here to uh, Glasgow. And, and Viva said, listen, we've got to go early. I said, what do you mean? Virgin, you've got a first class uh, at Houston. We've got to go at least one or two hours early to enjoy that. <laughs> this is Viva. So we went there one or two hours early, you know, and we really enjoyed the hospitality of the first class uh, virgin. Then we boarded the train, it was all first class, all the way, drinks, there's food all the way to Glasgow and all that. And so she, she's one of this very fun, 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 fun person. And uh, I don't know, she's just always smiling, always wise, isn't she? Incredible spirit, we miss her a lot. Incredible, so we, we miss her right now. Okay, I'm gonna transition. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. The fun so, yeah. Um, so these are just some quick fire questions just to ask okay. you a few questions about you. Um, what is the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for you? So, you know, I was thinking about that and I couldn't quite think about anybody. I suppose the first boss who gave me the job, <laughs> because at that time there was my probably about 88th letter and I was just glad that somebody gave me a job. So that was the kindest thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, other than that, what's the most romantic thing that you've ever done? Uh, I suppose meeting Pinky and uh, just the dating part of it. The dating. Oh, her wallpaper. So yeah, wallpaper started, and I think yeah, yeah, I think it's it's the whole dating thing, you know, the whole phase of it. And I, I think that would be the romantic part, you know, so. I think you've answered some of these, so I'm going to skip the next one and, and ask, um, what do you think is the secret to happiness and fulfillment? Maybe some of the Sadhguru in engineering stuff can help here. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a matter of um, just being where you are, being a human being, being a human being. What Sadhguru says is that you don't need Ten Commandments. You don't need to be told what to do and not to do, right? If you're a good human being, right, then that's everything, yeah? Other thing he says is that, you know, like, um, let's say me and Pinky are one circle. Me and Pinky and the kids are one circle. JGF is another circle. Loana community is another circle, like that. So if you are to treat uh, the whole of UK as one circle or whole of the, like India is close to me because that's part of my bigger circle. But if you used to treat the whole humanity as one circle, then you, any pain that happens to anybody out there is your pain, mm. right? So things like that. So he said, it depends where you draw your boundaries because if you call yourself an Indian, then anything Indian, uh, with uh, sort of 20 people killed in India because of the, those war would hurt you because you call yourself an Indian, right? Uh, in a war with Pakistan, if 1,000 Pakistani die, you don't care. 10 Indians die, you care. So it depends how what you identify with, right? So within your family. So I think it's a matter of um, drawing the biggest boundary around you that you can. Yeah, encompass as many people as you, as you, uh, as possible. So that's that. I think it's the wider you get, the better. Yeah. better. I love that. Thank you. Um, what would be your advice to either your younger self or for the C1 and C2 generations? Uh, C1, I would just say that whoever friend circle you got now, whoever you got around you now, right? Enjoy it, consolidate it, right? Don't try to increase, increase, increase your circle like that. Just concentrate, just get the quality out of the people around you and really enjoy the life that's around you, the people around you, just enjoy that. Rather than trying to forge out into more and more different groups and things like that. So don't just, just concentrate. Seek to, I would say what uh, I said earlier, I would love them to learn lots of languages, which I think CIA and them are. But uh, the one thing that comes to my mind is that uh, the more languages you have, it's more windows into the life. Yeah, so if you're in a room, so every language is a window into another, you see a different view in life. So I would love to, in fact, get Sophie and them into 
Gujarati, if I can. But there you go. That's beautiful. Um, what's your favorite book? You may have already said this, actually. But what's yeah, I, I think it would be Lopsam Rampa, Third Eye, because that was a mind-changing. Uh, since then, I've read lots and lots and lots, but that was the initial mind-changer. I've not read that. I might pick that up. Your favorite? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, favorite? Movie. Movie. It's, it's, it's got to be Shami Kapoor movie like Jungli or, you know, one of those uh, Love in Shimla or something like that, or The Good, Bad and Ugly or something like that. You know, it's maybe more from that time, right? Uh, because the recent ones haven't really caught my imagination so much. Um, tell me something that very few people in the JGF are likely to know about you. So then I think I already confessed to a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think referred to my earlier <laughs> confessions. Um, no, I think. Um, no, I think. No, for that you'll have to. Get me to drink a couple more Guinness and then get more, <laughs> more out of me. More <laughs> sociable hour and, uh, and we'll, um, we'll do that again. What, um, what do you think makes the JGF special? I think, I think it's, the, it's the fact that we all grown together, uh, grown up together. The amazing race have grown up together. We are all, maybe not in what you call the formative years, but later years. Like I've been a partner with Viren for over 30, mm -hmm. 35 years. And during that time, we have not had a single argument. Can you believe it? We just, we just got on with it, you know? There was nothing. There was no, no nothing that ever was a problem, right? So like Bakul. Like I said, he flew over to Kenya, uh, Nigeria with me. And so everyone, I spent such a lot of time. So we all grown up together. You guys, C1 generations, have also grown up together. So what, what you have is, you've got the depth of relationship. Yeah? It's like, you know, we were talking to Rocky the other day. You guys were not there. Rocky was only C1 there. And she was talking about, um, you know, how the education costs there is so much. And we are talking about Kundanas. You know, so it's the whole, I think it's the history of the whole thing, yeah. right? And I think we are passing that history on to C2. Yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah, so. No, which is good. Which is, and I think it's the... I think it's the, the, the love for each other. Everybody genuinely cares. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm. It's, um, it's always been really interesting to me that, you know, as, as my friends and Div and, you know, other people interact with the family, they, they feel it too. They feel the closeness of the connection. And even, even now my colleagues find it very strange when I tell them that, or if I would tell them that, you know, I'm going to go and hang out with my cousins, they would find that very, they find that very <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to list off some of your siblings and I'm going to ask you to describe each one in just three words. Okay. okay. So uh, let's start with Kundan Fai. Kundan Fai, caring, 
loving and wise. Just not fair. Um, very supportive. Uh, incredible cook. Um, and loving again. Latafei? Um very sensitive, caring, and again loving. Yeah. Vivafei? Vivafei, fun, wise, and intuitive. Nice. Um, my dad, Vern. Vern. Uh, sharp, uh, fair, and supportive. Bakukaka. Bakukaka, clever, um, again, very supportive, and, and smart. Nice. Well, Bertha, I mean, I'm, I'm going to wrap up, but I want to firstly thank you so much. I've learned a ton through this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah. It would be. We didn't get time to even cover things like the stories and the parables that you're writing these days, um, all the other businesses that you've got yourself kind of involved in, and, and all the charity work and the philanthropy that I know that you know you dedicate and you commit a huge amount of your life to. So we might have to get you back on to read out one, maybe one <laughs> of your stories or your poems um, and do all that. But is there, is there anything that you wanted to share in this conversation that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? No, I, you know, the last uh, 40 odd years with the kids have just flashed by. You know, and it's, it's, you know, the, it's amazing The earlier years are more like things happening. The last 40 years have been a big happy blur. And I'm not saying that they've not been, uh, uh, like there's nothing to be amazed about each and every year. But it's just like a big happy blur, right? And that's because of the kids growing up and the grandkids coming and all the rest of it. But no, otherwise, no, thank you very much. We've been two hours, so thank yeah. you very much. And I think you're about yawning, so I think you've been amazing. Thank you, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it, brother. That's great. Michelle, one of my stories, obviously, about you, you know, driving that sports car when you are, <laughs> were you underage or were you not, did you not have a license? I, was, I had my license, but you had to be 21. So I was 18, I think, at the time. You took me for my 18th birthday. Yeah. In order to drive the car. Um, yeah. and that was a good car, wasn't it? This is what. It was a very nice car. <laughs> But, but listen, catch up with you later. Yeah. Thank you so much, Martha. Thank you very much. You've been amazing. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers.